0: Hello and welcome to episode number 16 on Cashflow Candy. You're with Annette Lackovich and today I'm interviewing Yvonne Hiltz, your money breakthrough coach. Yvonne is leading the next generation of women to live a flourishing, abundant and money filled life and her genius zone is to help women have a significant breakthrough and paradigm shift when it comes to creating more wealth in their business and in life. Now it's such a great interview, Yvonne is a very dear friend of mine and um, Um, She opens up and shares a hilarious story about a TV show that she was on and um, how it actually created the new wave. A lot of you guys are going to feel very connected with Yvonne because she bears her soul and shares about the struggle. And a lot of us are in our businesses today because it's something that we had to overcome ourselves. So if you want to have a more abundant, more financially rich and internally rich as well, we talk about richness. I mean externally and internally. You're going to love Yvonne's interview. And if you're listening to this saying, I've got money blocks at the moment, I am so in debt up to my ears, I am not built for wealth, then this is for you. You have to stay on and listen to this. You're going to love it. This is the main thing that she does is to help break through your money fears. Let me introduce you to Yvonne Hills. This is Annette Lackovich and you're listening to Cashflow Candy. Join me while I interview successful entrepreneurs, business specialists, and share the ultimate information, helping you increase your sales doing what you love. So, let's start making some candy for your business. So, let's welcome Yvonne Hiltz. Hello, Yvonne. How are you? Hi. I'm fabulous. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Now, guys, um, what you may not know yet is Yvonne and I created a beautiful relationship through babies. We did. <laughs> Not us having babies together, but <laughs> so um, we started uh, Facebooking each other, I think. Was that right? I think so. And I think we were, we, yeah, we were both pregnant. Yes. Yeah. And um, I think you initiated the conversation. I think you saw that I was into a bit of the natural stuff or I saw that you were into the natural stuff and that's where we just hit it off. It was... Yeah, I
1: think so. And your name had come up uh, through a couple of people going, you know, check her out. She does sales training. She's sassy. She's, you know, got a lot of spunk and personality. And then, yeah, it was all through Bambino's that we, we gelled, yeah. which was so amazing. And what our kids, I think, are, what, two two weeks apart? Your Braxton, I think, was two weeks earlier than Frankie?
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's right. We met at my SARS course. That's right. Yeah, many years ago. Right, you come coming in to suss right. me out, weren't you, girl?
1: I did. I did. <laughs> and I was pregnant at the stage and had really, really bad um, morning sickness as well. Mm um and then I miscarried that one and then I fell pregnant a little a couple of months oh, after no. but I was full on it was full on and I had really bad hyperemesis throughout um Frankie's while I was vomiting for seven months so I was like oh my god this is hardcore wow
0: if yep. you guys ever get to hear Yvonne's story, not that this is the <laughs> their the interview on that, but her story about how she felt pregnant is uh, a very very um, interesting and dedicated one. It is. So, it is. Yvonne, um, you've been the money-making wealth queen. Um yeah, we'll like I that. had to share you with everybody. Um, you're a go-to person and I just want to start off with you, like what makes you so passionate and then let's get into some learning so these women can actually walk away with some really strong learnings about, you know, any many fears or how they can start that momentum moving forward. So let's start off with this. Why are you so passionate? What's your story? Because I know a lot of people are passionate because it's something that they've gone through.
1: (laughs) Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I am really passionate about women being taking – control of their own finances and being responsible for themselves and busting through limitations in money fees, etc. And it is my journey. And I remember, must have been seven or eight years ago, I had a TV show called Your Money Sorted. And I look back and I go, and I was everything but having my money sorted. I was on the bones of my ass. I was nearly broke. I had property investments, which were going belly up because I had been involved in a charity which I absolutely love and adored, but I did the fatal error, which I do see happens a lot more so with women than men, is that I took the oxygen mask off myself and I put it on others first, which, rookie mistake, you and I fly a lot and we must hear that a thousand times, place the oxygen mask on yourself first before Mm. you help others. And I did the classic where I didn't. And, you know, at the time I was 35, single, no kids, so I really slammed into a brick wall, not literally, but really slammed in hard and went, Holy mackerel, I've got to really take stock of what am I doing, what am I doing with my finances, my beliefs and values and all of that. And I really started to look deep and go, okay, so why why was that showing up and what did I have to learn from it? And being a speaker and you know, very confident in front of audiences, I was like, you know what, I could teach other women how to how to transform and, and, and shift some of their money stories and their money beliefs and patterns. Um mm. And I knew it because at 35, I was broke. I had nearly $150,000 worth of debt. Um, I had creditors chasing me left, right and center and I was, I'd was i stopped opening my mail. So I'd finally got down to my P.O. box maybe once every two months because I was terrified <laughs> to get my mail. And I joked in a workshop one day going, you know, I'd get to my P.O. box and it would be jam-packed. And I knew when I'd be clearing out the mail, I knew who I owed money to because you get really crafty and really good at avoiding debt when you're not ready to deal with it. Mm. So I'd get some of these notifications and it would it'd be like the third or fourth letter. So I'd know I could throw out the letter one, two and three and just open up the fourth because that would just show me how much I owed and all the interest <laughs> and crew. And I got really, really sharp at doing this. And I got I was also so tight financially that I would instead of going out to dinner with friends, I would rock up just the coffee or the mm-hmm. final round and then I'd go, oh yeah, yeah, I'd been somewhere else. I had not I just couldn't afford to do dinner, dessert and wine. So I would choose to come right at the end. so For wine. Yeah, just for the wine. <laughs> Prioritise. And it took me a while to realise. In fact, I hadn't said that out loud for a long time. But it took me a while to realise that I'd gotten very good at coping and and coping with the stress of being financially in you know, a funk, be the PG wow. version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, I got really good at coping with it. And so I looked like I was all okay. I looked like on paper, I looked good, like I had some properties and I was doing a bit of coaching but dig a little deeper and I really wasn't in a good space and I remember I woke up, I was just on, nearly on 35 and I went, 35 single, no kids, I'm doing something and I moved to Sydney three weeks after I woke up and made the decision mm-hmm. and uh, with one suitcase which I definitely have more than one suitcase now and completely started to make a transformation um, and The defining moment where I really realized I needed to make a a deeper shift, I'd made the physical shift and geographically, Mm -hmm. um, a good friend of mine was helping me and coaching me through and I was still bullshitting to myself for lack of a better expression. I was saying, yeah, I'm kind of okay, I'm doing okay and this one morning, I still remember it so vividly, she said, Yvonne, add up all the debt you're in and I went, can't do it, it's too painful and then she goes, add up your cash flow there was none. I was living on credit cards. And then she said, Yvonne, you've got to stop hemorrhaging. And it was such a bizarre word to use. She goes, you're hemorrhaging more money in debt. She goes, you've just got to stop and you've got to get a job. And I Mm. just cried. And I said, I can't, I'm an entrepreneur. She goes, you're a broke in debt entrepreneur who needs cash. Mm -hmm. And she said, you can either keep drowning or it's to get a, get some help. And I was, my ego just like fell in five pieces. And I'm like, yeah. You don't understand. I'm a coach. I'm a diss. You don't know who I am. I've I been the on Money TV. TV. I had a TV show called Your Money Sort and all of this stuff. And it was my <laughs> ego and everything. that And I just, oh. I wept for minutes. And she, unless us not everywhere and all the rest. And she was on the other end of the sky <laughs> and she goes, Are you all right? And I went, I think I've just broken myself. And within three mm. days, I put together a CV, which I hadn't done in years. And I secured an amazing, amazing contract with a company. And um forward that five or six years later, that company just propelled me forward and I ended up closing a six figure contract with this the mother company who ended up buying it. And all of that mm-hmm. came from this one day sitting in my friend's apartment, slobbering and snotting everywhere, telling herself I can't get a job because I'm an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs yeah. don't get job and but I was so broke. I was so broke. I was living off credit cards and
0: do you know what what, what was the debt? debt. How, yeah. how far were you?
1: One hundred, just under one hundred fifty thousand. I was one hundred, about one hundred forty-seven thousand, and it was so painful in it going through oh. and actually adding it all up. And I found the spreadsheet. I think six <laughs> oh, months I ago.
0: Imagine,
1: like, oh, my God! I had buried this debt and hidden it from myself so deep that I didn't even know how much debt it. That actually took me the longest part was to actually go through and really figure out how much debt I was in consolidate it all yeah and mm-hmm. then I didn't know what to do with it and so we you know we put in a strategy and a plan but oh that really yeah. but I was so grateful for her because she said Yvonne you're bullshitting yourself you're telling yourself you're okay And I guess it's like standing in front of the mirror, holding in your belly going, yeah, I'm actually not that fat. (laughs) And then you walk away and you let go of your belly and it kind of (laughs) falls out and you go, yeah, maybe I am. But that's what I was doing. I was standing in front of the mirror, holding in my belly going, yeah, I'm actually okay.
0: (laughs) I love it. What a great analogy. But I wasn't. Gosh. So let me just ask you this. I'm I'm so curious. How did you get the Your Money Sorted TV show? Because that's bloody
1: huge. It was huge. And at the... um, I actually, I was in a group, a global entrepreneur group with Roger Hamilton and uh, I hadn't done Step Up. That was the charity I ended up working for and running for three years. So I, I kind of don't know how I got networked into it. I used to do property seminars and property investing education um, before the wheels fell off for me and kind of got into a new groove. I needed to find a new group of people to hang out with. And so I networked with a, an awesome chick called Lisa Dudson, um, who is a financial advisor, and we really clicked. And I remember one day she said, "Even, well, why don't you come and do a, a workshop with my group, my office, and share with them some of your stuff. I'm like, yes, sweet as. So I went in and did a two-hour workshop, and um, she wasn't there. And I phoned her up later on that afternoon just to thank her and go, hey, thank you, awesome opportunity. And she said, by the way, I've been asked if I know anyone who is doing life coaching um, who would want to be on a TV show to do life coaching on money. And I was like, and she goes, can I put you forward? I went, yeah, sure. Always say yes to opportunities. Yeah. Have I no, I did, never done it. And um, so I think about a couple of weeks later I got asked to go in for an interview and I'd just done a seven-day water fast. So I was looking spelt and I was feeling amazing. A what? Um, a water fast. A water fast for seven days. Meaning, so it's just like just you only water.
0: drank water, or you didn't drink water for seven days.
1: No, just water for right. seven days. I was on fire. I was zinging and zanging and spelt. Um, and so I went bursting into this audition. I, I um, have a diploma in acting and used to have uh, do three or four major plays a year. So being on stage was all you know what I did. But I'd never done a TV show, and I'd certainly never done one about money coaching. So no, they just ask me questions and, you know, what do I think about this and what do I think about that? And I just, you know, blagged my way through it as I, and you can, we can do. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a call going, you got it. And I screamed out the phone going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, um, yeah, we started filming about a month later. And it was great, 10 episodes. We were helping people, uh, couples and singles with their money stuff. So we'd cut up credit cards and put together budgets, I'll do a bit of life coaching and goal setting. I mean, I didn't know half the stuff I know now, like not even a tenth of what I know now and it was amazing and I loved being on TV and I loved um, working with the guy And it, but looking back, at, boy did it bring up some stuff for me. At that stage I was just, just starting to get wobbly with my finances and looking back at it now, knowing what I know I was hitting some glass ceilings and some thresholds and really challenging some of my beliefs around wealth mm. and success but I didn't know it at the time so I would just do some
0: sabotage stuff um so so what are some telltale signs then so let's just say there was some signs that were actually happening what would be some signs that you know some of these women could actually look out for to know that they actually could be about to go into a big money funk
1: yeah look I was creating drama in my life is what I was starting to do like I would I would like things were going beautifully the filming was going great um I was getting paid and like, I would do things like not prep properly. Sometimes I'd prep, sometimes I wouldn't. So I'd kind of just be testing and challenging myself to keep myself on the edge. Mm -hmm. It's like I had a belief that um, it it was too good to be true, or it couldn't be this easy for me. So I put a bit of challenge in there, which wouldn't come across on TV. It was great. You know, they always thought my performance was great. But I almost had to kind of Put a deadline in place, or um, put that pressure, so I'd kind of rise above. Like mm-hmm. wait till the last minute to get all my prep done. It's like, Yvonne, you don't need to create that kind of drama just to produce results. Um, and you're saying and, that links to the money. Yeah, yeah. I see it as now with the stuff that I've learnt because I was because um, I was getting to a point where I was getting a profile. Like when the TV show came out, I was in Woman's Weekly, New Year, uh, New Idea in the New Zealand Herald, like we, you know, there was some great publicity and I wasn't ready to deal with it mm-hmm. and so I did nothing with it. Mm-hmm. So I had all these opportunities coming in place and I was like, wow, I thought I wanted this, I've done all the work for it but then why am I not taking it to the next level? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later on that I was like looking back that I was like, oh, God, I I was incongruent and I was incongruent as well because I was driving um, a car and I, this cheap Toyota called Lola, which was a $2,500 <laughs> cheap car. And I was like, here I am on a program called Your Money Sorted and that wasn't how I was feeling. So I'd feel this incongruency mm. and it was all perfect. I mean, looking back, everything's on the way, not in the way. Um, and But I got some deep lessons, not straight away. It took me a good couple of years for some of the lessons to recognize that I was sabotaging my success. Like I could have easily gone forward and done another show and started to get some, you know, other things in place, mm. but I, didn't. I backed out of it
0: because um, so, it it was challenging me. So there was something that you said, which was you thought you were ready, but you weren't ready. It, like it sounded like it moved really fast. It and did. With money, um, it's it's all around your belief first, isn't it? Like for me. It was, you know, I, I actually spoke to you once. I think I was walking Braxton home from daycare, and, um, and I was saying to you that I'd always come from a family that had scarcity, even though we had a very good childhood. Like we had mm. five horses, we had dogs, we had cats. Like, well, we had a farm in a suburban, like, sort of, sort of it wasn't country. It was in the Blue Mountains in Springwood, but, um, you know. <laughs> none of our next door neighbours had horses and had all these animals. But because mum always wanted to provide for us and we did sports, we did so much that she always was had this scarcity mindset of money because I think because she pretty much had spent or exhausted all her cash on, you know, giving us everything that we wanted. But I remember just growing up with this mindset of fearful about money and where's the next dollar gonna come from. Mm even though both my parents had great jobs and earned great money. So I was always paid really bad. And that's sort of like that blueprint that happens. And it wasn't until I – and I've said this a couple of times in the different interviews where some of you ladies that are listening to them all, you sort of know that time when I took that jump where I started to work for myself as a sales trainer instead of with a company and I increased my income – um, by a thousand percent. Wow. <laughs> so they were um, con- sending me out for consulting for 1495 a day. So just under $1,500 a day. I was only getting uh, about 300 from that. Yep. And um, I started to do some work on myself and I realized that a lot of people were actually consulting for $3,000 a day. And I thought, my gosh, there it is again. I've got somebody with a scarcity mindset for money. I've Mm. worked with someone with scarcity mindset. So the first gig I got was $3,000 and it wasn't even for a full day. It was for 90 minutes with Sanity Music. Wow. (laughs) And suddenly I just realized what I was worth and I'd been doing a fair bit of work in that year, which won't surprise you, like when you do the work on yourself then suddenly, (laughs) you know, it starts to come into fruition. Mm. So tell me... How much is it with mindset and how much is it with having a strategy? Let's go into that.
1: Yeah, look, I have, when I'm teaching, I say mastering money is 80% emotional, 20% strategy and I think that goes across so many different industries. I mean, I know you've got a background also in health and fitness and Mm -hmm. it's the same strategy. Like to lose weight or gain fitness, you know, we kind of know in the basics of what we need to do, move more and eat better why do we have trillions of people around the world, you know, with an obesity issue? It's the emotional stuff. And I see the same with money. So in a nutshell, we could say to master money, earn more than you spend. So you've got something left over to save, invest, etc. Mm-hmm. But again, we have a real issue um, of... Going into debt unnecessarily, or getting caught up in the keeping up with the Joneses and having to buy all this new stuff so we look good. But then you look behind the scene, and you go, "Yeah, you look good, but you're, you know, you're going backwards financially." Yeah. And it's the same. Like strategy would tell us when we're invoicing someone, invoice on time or charge, you know, make sure that you're covering your expenses. But I work with so many women who don't charge enough for their time or don't put in correct boundaries. Mm-hmm. But they know the strategy, but the emotional parts going, "Am I good enough? Am I worthy?" Uh, you know, and not charging feel,
0: enough, not charging oh, what they're worth.
1: Yeah, like um, you know, I've got a webinar coming up about um, guilt and greed, which comes up. You know, if I put in money, I'm if I ask for more, I feel guilty, or mm-hmm. will I be perceived as being too greedy? And I really think I work more with men. Uh, I work more with women than I do with men, but I really see that <clears throat> for a lot of women, this really triggers up this stuff around guilt and greed and mm-hmm. self worth. And it's the emotional stuff. And mm. if you look about, for most of us, we don't come through the education system really talking about money. A lot of people from a, in a family or culture, they don't often talk about money. I mean, you talked about with your mum how that it always felt there, um, you know, that your mum was tight. My parents always had the expression of "live within your means." Mm. I translated that as poor. Now, because I used to see mum budgeting and putting every everything in a little book that she'd carry in her bag of everything she, that she spent in her purse. Like wow. my mum would reconcile within, re, you know, reconcile everything. <laughs> and her shopping list, she would go to the supermarket with a, an exact list of what she wanted and she would write down the dollar value. Mm. Now I look at that now and I go, wow, mum was savvy. She was budgeting. We lived within our means. Um, she knew exactly money coming in, money coming out. It was tight. She was a nurse. Dad was a teacher and there were four kids. But as a kid... I'd go, oh, we must be poor. And so I had to re- start to really rewire and yeah. reprogram my emotional relationship with money. And, look, I still get triggered on stuff. Um,
0: you know, I oh, earn yes. th- you get tested all the oh, time. All the time. I got <laughs> massively tested
1: this morning. And, you know, it threw me for six and it threw my 15-month-old for six because she ricocheted off my energy. And I'm like, oh, my God, our kids, she's learning stuff <laughs> off me already. Kind of had me, recon- you know, reconcile but. The emotional stuff is what trips us up because mm. strategy would tell us that we would get paid weekly or invoice whenever we invoice mm-hmm. and put some into savings, put some into our wage, put some into GST Bass so you don't get caught every quarter, put some into your long-term savings. But a lot of the time we don't. We mm. get caught up with overspending, a bit like overeating, mm-hmm. want to feel good so you go and buy a pair of shoes or, you know, it's so all that stuff the emotional yeah. stuff. So unless you address that, The strategies are harder to implement and be consistent with because the emotions trip it up. So I'll often suggest automate as much as you can. Um, Even though I earn money, you know, randomly depending on what programs I'm launching or invoice, et cetera, I streamline all my automatic payments to myself and to my big stuff weekly. So I pay myself a wage every week and I pay money to my GST Bass account weekly. So I've worked out with my accountant, you know, roughly Mm -hmm. what's, my earnings so I've taken out some of the roller coaster and the drama of the big highs and the big lows mm-hmm. and for me that was taking out the big money coming in and then big money coming out like I needed to I needed to calm it all down and even though I know I've got way more money money coming in than what I've got coming out I work better and function better when I know every week money's coming into my personal wage account mm-hmm. money's going to my savings money's going to my GST bass. And it takes out the drama, and it I think gives that's,
0: you a feeling of control. Oh
1: yeah, totally, yeah. absolutely. So, and it stops the white noise. And I think you know that white noise and drama can mm-hmm. be very distracting and and kind of keep you plugged in to drama, even if you're not, you know, one hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. But there's, you don't need the drama. Watch a soap opera if you need to, you know, get involved in drama. <laughs> soap opera, how how random is that word? A soap opera,
0: you know. Um. Go yeah. to the movies. But you know what? The, and you were talking about the drama before. Sometimes yeah. you might just create that drama and there's if, if you don't get your mindset right, then around the money, there will be continual always drama around there. Oh, yeah. Let's just say there's some people on the line that are in a funk at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they Another have song got song. the debt yeah. um, and they cannot see ahead that far oh. ahead going, yeah. It just is too scary for them. What are some simple steps? What I say, two or three simple steps that you could say, this is just what you need to do first? Just what would be a good check-in for them?
1: Yeah, like I talk about putting in a money momentum roadmap. And, like, I know, again, this is the stuff that I went through myself. So if someone's in a lot of debt or not in a healthy relationship with money, which let's face it, money is a relationship. I'll often talk about if we you know talked about your relationship with money like your partner or your child or your lover or your best friend mm-hmm. what would money say about you would money say that she's embracing me she's loving me she's caring for me she's kissing me whenever I want kisses <laughs> or am I going to say that money she abandons me she calls me when she wants me she uses me she neglects me like that's you know 1st of all, start with you know how are you treating money and mm-hmm. what are your expectations But if you're in a lot of debt, first of all, get it all compiled. Like write it all down in a spreadsheet or on a document. It's going to hurt. That's, I find, some of the most painful points if you're in a lot of debt or even a small amount of debt. And then looking at all the debt, pay the smaller ones off first. Now, logically, it makes sense to pay the big ones off first because you've got more interest being accrued. Mm -hmm. Keep those on the minimum payments to keep them ticking over and automate it. Don't have it that you are doing it on a weekly or monthly basis. Because if your emotions are feeling generous, you'll do it. If you are emotionally feeling distraught or scared, if you see those pair scared. of
0: shoes, or if yeah, it's a holiday totally. coming up,
1: and that's keeping you hooked into the drama. So mm. I say automate it. Know that you know if you are paying one hundred and fifty dollars of this, put it on an AP, mm. even if for a couple of months.
0: And it's interesting but, you said pay the smaller ones first because yeah. I think that's a feeling of completion and that yeah. that energy that mm. you'll feel like this flowing of energy. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm sort of doing this with my hands, not that you can see, but I'm feeling this. Like if you get the small ones off first, like you'll feel like you're actually moving forward. Doing something. Yeah. And I,
1: I think when there's a, um, a, a big goal in front, if you don't break it down to a smaller bite-sized chunk, it is incredibly overwhelming. Mm. Like it, to build a house, you've got to start with the first foundations. And I think if you're clearing debt or putting in a savings plan, start with the small ones first. So with the debt, put all, your, all of it on automation, the big stuff, and then clear off those little ones. Like, mm. you know, and then the extra money from that, put on the next one up so that you feel like you're actually getting t- closer to the end of the tunnel. And even if that, those last big debts take, a, a, you know, a long time to clear, at least you know that you're only focusing on those and not all the other little trickly ones. And, uh, you know, that seems to help because then you feel like you're on track, you're in m- momentum, you're moving forward, which really we, mm-hmm. that's how we want to feel. So do that. The other component, which I always say, is save some cash and do it before you get debt-free. Because I think so often I hear people go, oh, I've got to clear off my debt before I start saving. go, no, 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 you've got to do both. Because mm. debt is your past and you're clearing off dead money. You've spent the money, you've done the experience, you've worn the shoes, you've whatever. It's, it's, it's all your back, it's all your stuff you've done and it's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not motivating, it's relieving to clear debt. But for most people, it's not like, hey, I'm getting up this morning to clear some more debt. Yay. (laughs) It's relieving. But if you start to get up in the morning going, I'm putting an extra hundred bucks aside this week for savings, it's Mm -hmm. got a little bit more inspiration. And
0: And do you you believe in that 10% rule, 20% of your earnings? Like what do you sort of work with and what do you teach?
1: I do the 10% or if you can do more, do more. Mm -hmm. Um, Initially, I always say stash some cash. So stash a thousand maybe two thousand dollars of cash in a bank account you can't touch and use that for your emergencies because if people are going into debt on a regular basis because an emergency comes up they never get off that um, that wheel of that's that spiral so right. I just say sort out your debt. Then put stash some cash. Stash it really put fast. Stash your cash. Love yeah, it. Yeah, get a thousand bucks. Stick it in a bank and go right next emergency. The, the stashed cash can do it, not my credit card. Mm. So that stops the the cycle of going in and out of debt. Even if it's only a couple of hundred bucks, it's a couple of hundred bucks you don't want to be involved. And then start to go for your long term savings. Mm. And for um, for entrepreneurs, I really have seen the massive difference, and I've seen it in my own business of putting a buffer and stashing. Not even stashing, but putting a buffer of, let's say, two or three months worth of cash in a bank of lifestyle. So not baked beans on toast lifestyle, but your normal monthly lifestyle, like whatever that is. So that no matter what happens, you know you've got two or three months, let's say three months, banked, that if everything fell over, you're okay for three months. And it really stops you from f- going to that desperation mode and having a lot more abundance and freedom. And mm. I think that's when most of us are our most creative. Rather than coming out of desperation and scarcity, you can play at a different level and resonate at a different level. Mm.
0: Um, so, so let's talk about this then. I get clients that we talk about when, when when's a good time to do an investment on themselves where it might get yeah. them into debt. Um so I believe there's good debt and bad debt, um, and the good debt for me is if you can get some type of return on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you sort of teach with that and explain that more eloquently? Than yeah,
1: me? and look, I'll put a caveat in here. I'm not a financial advisor or an accountant, so obviously do the numbers with a trusted financial yeah, advisor me too. <laughs> and accountant. Um, you know, I you know invite people to just make sure that they've got some cash to to breed, but. Yeah, I think this. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki really talks about doodads versus investments. And mm. um, I remember I saw something last year. He says he, him and Kim have one or two homes, and then they all the rest of their money goes into investing. When if you're thinking property, because he said your money doesn't make you money. I mean, not unless you're going to sell it. But your investment properties do. So for myself, my strategy has been to invest in. Real estate property, investment properties, because I know that I'm getting a good return, and I've crunched the numbers that they're either cash flow neutral or slightly cash flow positive, um, and not get hooked into cars being asset building. They're not. They're you know they're going to cost you more money because they depreciate. Mm-hmm. So there's two schools of thought. There's a some people say that all debt is bad, including um, you know homes and mortgages, and to some degree, yes, I could agree. Debt is still debt. But if you've got a property that's increasing in value and let's say it's a rental property and it's creating cash and you utilize that cash, you know, you can do, you can use that for other things. Same if you've got a really healthy business, you can create some good cash flow. My biggest thing when I talk about debt is the credit card or consumer debt. Yeah. Um, And for, I would almost say 99% of the population, they don't clear their credit card every month. So they are paying interest. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not even also about the interest. It's about the unconscious spending that can occur with a credit card or pay wave and FPOS. I mean, it's one of my strategies for some clients is to do cash only and just watch their transactions. Like when you're standing in front of a register and, you know, you're about to buy something and you look in your purse and you've only got a $100 note because I always say carry the big notes, you suddenly look at that thing you're going to buy and you go, do I want to crack a hundy for that? Because if you crack a hundy and you've suddenly got 20s and 10s mm. in your purse, You spend the 20s and 10s really fast compared to a 50 or a 100 because it's a bigger note.
0: Yeah. And it's quite interesting you said about the 100 because I, oh, God, I can't remember where I heard about this, was to always carry a nice, fresh, crisp $100 note. Mm. And that being in your, actually, I think it might have been Ali Brown where I heard that. I can't remember where, but it was one of the um, amazing female mentors out there and, I just went, you know what, I'm going to do that It makes sense to me because every time I look in my wallet, I'm reminded that there's always wealth around Correct. and that $100, you don't want to break it. No. <laughs> you Especially do everything thing. in your way not to break <laughs> that $100 note. Totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. my tip to you listeners is do that. Go to the bank, get a nice, fresh, crisp one hundred dollar note. Mm. Have it in your wallet, and that's that feeling of abundance and wealth that you have. The feel, how good you feel when you actually look at that. Yeah, um, yeah it's so funny you actually said that. That just went, oh yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> well, I remember when I was ha- when I had my um, breakthrough moment that day when I burst into tears and, tears and shattered my ego into fifty thousand pieces. One of my strategies to help move from that once I started looking at all my debt. Putting in good debt payment plans and cleaning up with my creditors. Like I had, to, I owed them apologies and I apologized to so many of them, going, <laughs> I've been an absolute shit of a client that you've been trying to chase money for. Um, was carrying cash and carrying wads of cash. Like I would carry like $500. And one of my principles was carry the amount of cash that I wanted to earn per hour. And it, I really had to, again, reprogram myself to see my purse as being abundant because. Up until then, when I opened my purse, there were only coins, sometimes no coins, and there was nothing in there apart from credit cards and cards. Mm-hmm. So I took out all the credit cards and cut them all up. And then I had to refill it and nourish it visually and kinesthetically and everything else with money and mm-hmm. good money, not just the five, ten cents and five, ten dollars, but big money and value myself and not be scared that. Someone could steal my handbag, and and all of a sudden, thousands of dollars are being mm. vanished away. I've never had my bag stolen, so why would someone suddenly go? <laughs> She's carrying cash, <laughs> and I had I, it was. I had to reprogram myself that when I looked into my purse, first of all, when I'd look into it and I'd see five hundred dollars, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I got <laughs> money!" And it's like, it's not I need to go buy some mm. junk. It's n- nourishing myself. So yeah.
0: it's such it, a good reminder. It yeah, just yeah. yeah. It's an incredible exercise. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the fears. What, what do you see the main fears are? We're all creatures of habit. Oh, yes. What are the biggest fears that happen with women? Yeah,
1: look, fear of failure comes up a lot and fear of success. And I actually see more of a drive of fear of success because of the exposure and vulnerability that can occur with it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's such often a, a dirty word or a dirty association with being wealthy whatever that means whether it's you're earning 50 grand a year or 100 grand a year or millions of dollars i think there's um particularly in australia with tall poppy syndrome i see that kind of flare up every now and then as well that the fear of success is a big one and it's the isolation that they think will occur you know um i, I know for myself i've had boyfriends in the past where i've earned more money from them than them and mm-hmm. it's been weird um, I remember one boyfriend I overheard at a wedding saying, oh, it's all right, when Yvonne and I have kids, she'll go back to work and I'll stay at home with the kids because she's a sugar mama. And I just went, what the hell? I broke up with him three weeks later. I was like, what the hell? I am no one's sugar mama. And I was kind of like, wow, that must be how some men are when they see themselves as sugar dad. And I was like, no, 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 I want partnership here, not someone, you know, dragging someone else around. So I think for a lot of women too, there's there's issues if they're earning more money than their partner that the, the balance can go out. and, mm-hmm. But you can definitely still maintain a great relationship and be the breadwinner. In fact, uh, um, we're seeing more and more now, 26% of all women are the breadwinners of families now, which is a huge jump up despite there being a huge pay gender gap still here mm-hmm. in Australia of nearly 18%. Um, so that that I see for women is, you know, not wanting to, put their neck out and be really successful because of the judgment that will occur. Mm. Um, and for the working women uh, who are mums and not to undervalue women who don't have kids, their quality of life, but I definitely see a trend, well, not a trend, but more um, fears and I think concerns of working mums that there's mums, you know, guilt um, in prioritising business over babies or do I have enough time? How do you juggle it all? I mean,
0: mm. and there's there's um, tough sometimes the yeah, <laughs> and the, probably the biggest thing I see for entrepreneurs is that stage from the the seed or birth stage to going into the startup phase. Mm. Um, and there's big fears that I see around that, and I've gone through it too, where they're holding on to one job because that's the like you confirm that cash it's a consistent um and then trying to build this you know startup business but i find that some don't take the leap as quick as they should because they've they've got nothing underneath them as a safety Mm. net so there's a time when you will be you know flying through the air with nothing underneath to catch you yeah um and And that's scary you do and that but that just shows you commitment and i know it's scary but there's a time when you do have to let go and give that business your all. Um, and I did too. Like I, I kept consulting. Um, I kept uh, four clients out of my 66 with that training company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just started to build my – was an online business. I didn't go straight into competition with them with training. <laughs> but um, – I started to build that online business, so I kept those four clients because that gave me some consistent cash. Yeah. But it wasn't enough to really have a lavish lifestyle at all. Mm. Um, and I find that's one of the a big fear as well, like with entrepreneurs that you and I deal with every day. Yeah. It's that supporting yourself. Like the first that's thing brilliant. I say is, let's even just get you to earn a, a, a wage of forty k a year. If we can just get you to do that as an entrepreneur, that's a fantastic step. Yeah. And then, because everyone thinks they're going to make their million in their first year, and of course. you know, unless you have created the most amazing app or some amazing technical product, it just doesn't normally happen that quick. No, um, and understanding that to earn a forty k, <laughs> um, to earn forty k in a business in your first year is awesome. It's Absolutely. not awesome as an employee, but um, yeah, it's just quite interesting that whole fear around that money.
1: Yeah, and I think it comes down to not believing that you're good enough. Like what if you think of a woman who is on the cusp of letting go her security of um, let's say, a job, to then go full time, that's it, I'm backing myself with my own business. It takes courage and it takes um self-belief that you're gonna do whatever it takes mm. to make this baby work. And, you know, commitment, dedication, you know, a whole lot of blood, sweat and tears, hopefully not too many tears. But underlying belief of I am good enough and I'm also worthy and deserving, and I think the self worth and self and deserving to receive is a really big one. And I think this is again, it's about you know knowing that you're planting so many seeds and you're putting all that great work that you're actually deserving of receiving the income. And too often I see like when we talk about the glass ceilings, like you know when I was going back to the TV show, and I see this as clients they'll they'll put their rates up and it'll hit a glass ceiling that they're not worthy to earn that amount of money. So let's say they put an invoice yeah. out for $3,000 and mm-hmm. the next minute the car breaks down and what does it cost? $3,000. <laughs> and it's because they've got a belief going, I'm not worthy of earning $3,000 so we better get rid of that pretty quick so we don't rattle that limiting belief and those values. And yeah. that self-worth And and and, you know, money is such a representation of what's really occurring on the inside. Like I think it's a... It's not the be-all and everything, it, but it certainly provides choices and options different if you don't have it, like, yeah. you know, better options of childcare or um, choice of how many hours you work. I mean, you and I are very grateful and we work our tails off, but we have the option of working very differently rather than being in a, a full-time, yeah. 50, you know, 40- to 50-hour week that, you know, we're chained to a desk. You know, you and I mm-hmm. being in the industries that we are can create wealth In different ways through online and speaking etc but you know it is such a um it is such a reflection of your self-worth as to how much you can charge yourself out as you know and like when you first charge yourself out at three thousand dollars for that 90 minute you must Mm. have just been going wow this is amazing
0: yeah I look (laughs) I remember walking into the meeting and I knew it was for 90 minutes and I thought to myself I think it was 60 minutes gosh I can't remember it was it was a quick presentation and I thought it's going to take me a day (laughs) I I, I'm there I can't book a client afterwards I still have to do the same prep time even if it's for a one-day workshop or a 90-minute keynote they require just as much work I -hmm. I can't book that day out so I gave them the day rate and then they took it wow (laughs) talk to me about this What would be, say, if you could have the three hottest tips? Hottest tips on, let's just say if it's a woman, and we've got clients on here that their business is in their growth stage, all right? Mm -hmm. They're they're in their growth stage. Um, Their business is making some good cash, but what I see at this stage is their expenses go up as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So, what would be, say, a tip for those women—the women that are the business in the growth stage? Some money mind set tips on that, and let's just say a mindset tip on somebody that's in that startup phase, and we know how hard that startup phase is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, can you give, say, your two hottest tips for um, either of those ladies? Uh,
1: yes. First of all, is don't believe the limiting beliefs and the BS stories that are coming up. And to do that, I would, say, surround yourself by people who have already achieved what you're wanting to achieve, get a coach, get a mentor. Mm. Um, you know, it, there's always somebody who can move you faster through that growth stage because they know uh, what works and what doesn't. And I totally believe that, you, you know, going through your own mistakes and learnings and challenges create amazing lessons you can do that in the fast way, you still get the lessons and learnings but still make some money and, and not kind of take forever or you can do it the hard way which is often on your own and kind of, it you know, just takes so long. So mm-hmm. surround yourself by great people, get a coach, get a mentor and um,
0: upskill yourself. And for and that's the men- a good investment, guys. That's good debt.
1: <laughs> that's good debt, absolutely because you get an ROI on that. Like why well, I look at all the mentoring and coaching, that I still receive and do because I figure the investment in myself is always going to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, a great investment because I implement and I put it into action and I look at how much I earn now and what I create. There's no freaking way I could have done that five years ago for what I charge now mm-hmm. um, because I didn't feel congruent with doing it and I didn't know how to. So And also when you're working with someone you know, like yourself, you're able to adopt the the abundant mentality and the learnings and, and live more in that world of possibility, which I think is so important. Um, one of my things is getting really crystal clear on why you want to do it. Like if if someone's, yeah, I always say when the why is big enough, the how shows up. Mm-hmm. And often I find that if someone's not really crystal clear why they want to create the business or why they want to create the wealth, they can waver and get distracted. And, you know, if someone sits down and go, you know, I really want to make Uh, let's say $200,000 a year I go great why and then you know often you get the really easy stuff more time with my family I want to buy this I want to donate this etc and I get them to actually jot down like 100 reasons why they want to make $200,000 and you kind of the first 10 or 15 rattle off really fast like Mm -hmm. it's the, the quick and easy stuff but then when they really start to dig deeper a sense of certainty and conviction starts to come in play so that when they're faced with challenges or, you know, some little roadblocks that occur when you're building a business or even when you've got a business, they have the certainty, sorry about that, they have the certainty of being really crystal clear why they want to create that. And I find that certainty and conviction not only helps them attract really good clients because they're so congruent with their message, Mm -hmm but it helps them stay on track and focused and yeah. and not get distracted by what I call a monkey chatter. You know the monkey chatter? It's like you're limiting beliefs that want to have too much conversation in your head and you're like, no, 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 no. It's not your turn. I'm on I'm on track here to make my dreams come <laughs> true. you just quiet in the cheap seats kind of stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what you're actually saying as well is just going back to, when you're saying about the why and you're saying about um, the the fears that women have, like the, the the guilt. So going way back to our conversation before, I think when like with a heart-centered entrepreneur, mm. they do have that guilt about making money and feeling like they might be more isolated. But like you're saying, if they look at their why and if their why is strong enough, yeah. that should help obliterate or if not quieten down that noise until they get really comfortable with it
1: yeah and when they when they've got the guilt it's often i find it's adopting somebody else's values or beliefs as to why making mm-hmm. that kind of money is not okay mm-hmm. and really then is i call it like healing your past and forgiving your past and going through a process of going well who did i actually adopt that from like where did i make that connection that earning, let's say, $200,000 is a bad thing yeah. or that I'll be isolated. Like,
0: Be conscious comes, with it. Mm. Yeah,
1: and actually go through the process of identifying who the person was, was it a conversation, a situation, etc and then making peace with it and going, you know what, I thank you so much for being, you know, serving the purpose up until now but now I'm ready to let this limiting belief go or that value go and and move forward with love and grace and, you know, adopt some new ones. And I think by bringing it to the conscious awareness of going, well, whose idea was that? You then can make a really conscious decision to go, wow, I don't need to take that moving forward into my future. I can actually create $200,000 and have this and have that rather than it be a or.
0: Mm. Great. So let's talk about the the female entrepreneur. She's... Her business is good. She's in, um, you know, the teenage side of the business where her business is confident. She's getting cash coming in. I find that they bleed cash quite just as fast because now they their expenses go up, they're getting staff, mm-hmm. they're wanting to get offices. Do you know what I mean? What's a good tip for
1: them? Make sure you can afford it. Um, <laughs> uh, tracking expenses and... In, in- Like I think, I I mean I've seen this in myself and also with clients and I'm sure you have as well, is that when someone starts to earn a bit of money more than what they've done in the past, spending usually goes up because it's like, oh, I've got more money to spend. Yeah,
0: they match their expenses to their income. They match their
1: expenses. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it starts to look at is there an issue around deserving and and being um, able to receive more money or are they just keeping themselves Mm. on
0: par? Because it's like you're saying it's like the car. You, yeah. you ask for that $3,000, but then the car service or whatever it might be is $3,000. So it's the same thing. It's like, let me get rid of it just as fast. Yeah. yeah.
1: And put systems in place. Like if somebody's, you know, earning more money, you know, what some of the expenses are definitely, you know, needed to be put in place. But really start to question, is it all, does it all need to go in and can some of it be spaced and, you know, I think there's also the ego that needs to be addressed, you know, is there just a bit of looking good that's occurring as well? Mm-hmm. Um, is it a limiting belief of, well, I still don't know enough, so I still need to do more or know more, rather than going, you know what, you do know enough now, it's just about implementing. It depends on what the expense is and what they're, you know, what's actually, um, you know, they're adding into their the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, it comes back down to the why. Like, again, if they're not clear on why they're doing what they're doing and then got a strategy around what to do with the money that they're creating, it'll just flitter away. Mm. Like you see this with people who like um, the classic with lotto winners. They, I, think I heard some with it. <laughs> 97% of all people who win lotto, like the big money, even in the States when they earn like $100 million, are broke or bankrupt within like three
0: to five yeah, years. I think it's within three years they, they're yeah. broke or they're back to normal.
1: Okay. Yeah, and just <laughs> like, look at that. How do think, you do that? How do you spend $100 million? Well, they spend it because they don't have the internal wealth and beliefs and values that know what to do with it. Like, and, and again, I think it's making sure that you're educated on what do I now do with extra money. Like if suddenly they their business, you know, goes gangbusters and they're earning huge amounts of cash, do they know what to do with it? And put a system in place, you know, make sure you, you've got money for your savings and your GST and your debt and all of that and systematize as much of it as you can. Mm. But also then give yourself some play money so you don't feel like you're always just earning money and it's, it's all going away. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: working your ass off. And- <laughs> yeah, working your ass off and not ever going to
1: spend it. because. And it's the same when I have clients look to do pay off debt. Don't go into poverty mindset to pay off debt because you'll sabotage. Mm. It's like dieting. I, you know, I see so many analogies linked with the health and fitness. Yeah. Anyone who goes on a really hard diet, what do they do? Break it because it's it's poverty mindset. Mm. of God. got, I can't have. It's like, well, then you want it more. Mm. So it's the same with your money. Like if you're earning more money, make sure you reward yourself. You've worked your tail off, you know. Go and have a glass of verve instead of yellow glen <laughs> if you need to or, you know,
0: buy oh, yeah. a whole bottle. Yeah. So what do you have coming up? You've got like some type of a challenge or something, don't you? So it would be really yeah. good to put these ladies through with the listening.
1: Yeah, look, I'm kicking off a five-day money challenge uh, where I've got five top strategies. It's called My Money Sorted and um, it's looking at what are the top, top five str- strategies someone can put in place to to really start to kickstart um, getting a handle on their money. And, I, you know, I get women doing this who have lots of money coming through to women who have very little money. And it's really about putting in some strategies that will help you get out of the cycle of either debt or just spending cash frivolously. It's a lot of fun. And my big thing is becoming a lot more conscious of your money and your relationship to money. Mm. I think because it's all around us. I mean, everything's got some aspect of money, whether it's an experience that you're doing or it's a thing that you're buying or it's time with your baby rather than being at work. That's all related to money because you're getting an option. So the challenge is just bringing stuff to your conscious awareness and and noticing what comes up, like noticing what comes up when you think about, you know, earning more money, you know, for some women that terrifies them, for others it motivates them. So I've got that and then I've got a great online program called Money, um, Power with Money, mm-hmm. which is where I dive deeper and we look at the limiting beliefs and the fears that come up and how to heal and forgive your past, some money strategies to how to build more wealth, et cetera. So um, all that all fabulous money, 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 it's um, <laughs> It's such a, a complex issue because it's so personal for everyone um, but it's such an important part of our lives. Mm.
0: And, and, and another thing that I love, i <laughs> get my words out, <laughs> is I remember hearing, and this is when the um, penny dropped, oh, in the pun, for me, <laughs> was um, really if you look at when money was invented, because it was exchange for goods. So people used to, and I haven't got the exact story, you might actually have it, Yvonne, but it's when, you know, I might exchange a chicken for a goat. <laughs> but yeah. then they ended up trying to work out a system on how they could exchange things between people so it was even keel. And that's what money is. It's an exchange of energy.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you know that story of how it actually started?
1: I do, but I can't remember the specific date of when it all
0: Came yeah. into play,
1: but yeah, it was. It's easier, and I. It's easier to carry around. It was a slip of paper initially. You'd go to the bank, and they'd give you a slip of paper with the value on it. Um, oh no, it was like because it was easier to carry that around than carrying around a chicken or a goat or something. Mm. But it is. It's that. It's that exchange.
0: Um, and and I think that's what's important when you talk about that guilt and having that why. Because the why of why you do things, every every person's business um, is a solution to what a client needs. Yeah. And that's that exchange of energy, the exchanging mm. of helping another. Yeah, it's such and a it's great exchange story. exchange of
1: value. Um, yeah. So one of the techniques I have for women who don't value themselves, which let's be honest, you know, all of us at some level has something that gets triggered by that, is you know, writing down what is your fair exchange when you're delivering a product or service. And I remember a couple of years ago I was negotiating the biggest deal at that time that I'd ever negotiated. <laughs> it was six figures. Uh, I was heavily pregnant at the time and it challenged the bejesus yeah. off me. Like I'd never negotiated anything of that that ginormity at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the delivering of the content and the writing of the, and the filming and all that stuff did with my eyes closed. I mean, you and I can talk underwater but it was the negotiation which was really my lesson of learning to, of valuing myself. And I remember in this, when I'd go into negotiations with this company and I'd have different people trying to negotiate or negotiating, some of them would blatantly come out and go, You're too expensive, we're not paying it. And I'm like, Oh my God, how am I going to, you know? And, and I would have to go away and I'd be doing all this work on myself. And I really got to the point of congruency where I totally owned my self worth as to mm. what I was negotiating on. And I remember I was heavily pregnant. Burst into tears in the shower in the morning, the day of my final negotiation, and I totally got to this place of peace and clarity. Of no matter what happens today, I know I'm worth it. You just need a good
0: cry. (laughs) I did.
1: I spent all the hormones. I couldn't tell the salty water and the salt, but I really got to the point of it. Like my self worth is not attached to the value or or the price that I'm putting down on paper. Where before that, it was always linked so personally about my self-worth and my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I really got to stand back from it all and go, my work is my work, but whether or not this occurs or not, it's not going to affect my self-esteem or my self-worth. And got an amazing outcome and, and both parties got what we needed. Mm-hmm. But it was such a shift. And I remember I walked out and you know, got dressed and all that and went into the negotiations just in this totally new, profound space. And... I've always said to, you know, even my clients now where I tell a story, I said the amount of challenge and pain and all that stuff I went through in this long negotiation, it was a very long, it was months negotiating, I would do it all again because what I got, where I got to that day in the shower bursting into tears, I just got it. It's like this isn't about my self-worth. Yvonne is still an incredible, talented woman with amazing mm-hmm. content regardless of what they're saying about my price. And to not infuse me into that, where prior to that it was I'd been yeah. making it about me. And so when I I I could sit in the negotiation from a very different space. Detached Yeah. Mm. It was profound.
0: Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting thing, especially when you're dealing with corporates as well. And there's no way that you oh. would have ever landed that deal if you hadn't have done the work beforehand either.
1: Totally. So, totally. and um, I was delivering
0: like these guys mm-hmm. are earning, and hundreds. the value that they're going to get from that, you know, the money. I've made they're gonna hundreds make from that. of
1: millions of dollars, like hundreds <laughs> of millions of dollars. I'm like, yeah. please. Um, but I was so grateful for the learning because it really had me own me in such a different way. And I'd never negotiated anything mm. that large. I was like, whoa, sis, I was like free falling. But coming back to what we were saying earlier, um, one of my strategies, you know, for how did I go through that is I got excellent coaching from people who had multi, multi multi-million dollar businesses who looked at the size of the deal I was negotiating and it was small change to them, massive for me, Yeah, because I needed a paradigm shift and I needed them to say, Yvonne, it's yeah okay cool that's your figure great no big deal and I'm like what do you mean no big deal this is the biggest deal of my life but for them they're like yeah cool I got it but you're going to do bigger deals later on I'm like oh and so the value mm. of surrounding yourself with incredibly talented and more successful people
0: was people that in your shoes as well. because
1: they weren't seeing it as oh my god this is incredible they're like yeah cool it's a number just put mm. it in I'm like, oh okay
0: so, ladies, mm. the beautiful thing is, if if you sort of you know got a bit of a, a funk at the moment with the money, or if you know that you uh, the abundance is there, but you just haven't been able to ta- you know tap into it or let it flow through. You can hear how authentic Yvonne is and sometimes what makes a beautiful coach is just having somebody that's walked in your shoes because they've got the empathy but then they can, you know, call a spade a spade as well. So definitely check out. How do they, where's the best way to contact you, Yvonne? Is it your website or what's yeah. this? Um...
1: Yvonnehills.com houses everything. Mm-hmm. So it has the uh, money, the My Money Sorted Challenge within that plus I've got my power, uh, Money With Power Sorry, Power With Money. Um, we've just rebranded all of that. So Power With Money <laughs> program is in there as well. Helps if I know that in my own program. Um, so, yeah, YvonneHills.com and they'll find uh, all the stuff that they're looking for. Plus, yep. I've always got weekly videos and little juicy nuggets going up all the time.
0: And let me spell that for you guys. It's Y-V-O-N-N-E and Hills is H-I-L-S-Z. So YvonneHilts.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your money mindset wisdom with us today, Yvonne. Had a blast. It was great to have a chat with you and such awesome content, guys. Hope you enjoyed it and um, I'll see you next week on Blow Candy. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Cashflow Candy, helping you make candy for your business. Now, if you want to hear some more awesome interviews of female entrepreneurs that have smashed through that glass ceiling, then please make sure you subscribe to Cashflow Candy. And if you feel that this interview is going to help a friend of yours, make sure you share the love. Let's keep making candy for your business. Bye-bye.